I definitely do not have the license for that song. But yeah, don't call it a comeback. It shouldn't have ever gotten to this. I took the last month off. I wasn't planning on that. Things got super busy work-wise, and it is what it is. I just had to adjust the way I could. Um, We're still busy at work, but I still want to keep the podcast going, and so I am, and here I am. And it sucked because I there, last month there were like other topics. I'm like, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. One that comes to mind right away was Elder Gong, um, Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. His son posted something about how he went to a lunch with his partner. So his, his son's gay. And um, there was a whole debacle that kind of ensued. It didn't make a lot of public news, I feel like. So I don't know. I don't mean to shine a light on something that people don't care to hear about. But I thought it was interesting. And I thought it was going to be interesting to talk about and address for a little bit because he wrote a whole blog post on it it was i mean i guess it was entry in a bigger blog post that he has but um some interesting dynamics at play there but things like that just you know the there are people attacking the church once again for the finances the charitable donations all that stuff it's tax season so i guess since it's tax seasons that's just the next thing that happens but anyway i am back obviously sorry about the last month but i want to keep things going I've enjoyed this too much. I've enjoyed the support way too much and uh, not too much. I mean, I only keep enjoying that support I get from everybody that reaches out. It's always so nice to hear from people. Um, But we got some things in the hopper that I'm still planning on talking about. Uh, This one kind of happened spur of the moment because I was like, you know what? This is a guy I need to have on because uh, he's he's had terminal, terminal cancer diagnosis since 2018 and initially, and we'll get into this in the podcast, he thought he, he was only given 12 to 18 months, but then there were some mutations involved that gave him actually a larger hope. And this is an old friend of mine, Jake Perazzo from BYU. We were uh, on the same uh, freshman floor and um, we got into some shenanigans together, obviously, but really good guy, really great example of having the right attitude when things like this happen. He doesn't know his fate yet. I mean, he knows his fate ultimately is that it's still terminal, but he doesn't know for how long. And so he talks about kind of how that's been so life-changing for him. And he's also talking about getting his own podcast. He has not officially started it or released it yet, but it's in the works. And he's working on it. He said he's actually going to record something later this week uh, with a friend to get something out there. But um, I think you'll enjoy this one. It's nice to have kind of a a strong reason to come back. I kind of felt a little bit compelled to talk with Jake about this because I hadn't, I've seen him post things about it and he's always had a great attitude about it. So I thought, you know what, get his story out there. It'd be great. Um, Other episodes that I've talked about doing soon is kind of the interesting dating cultural dynamics in the state of Utah, especially for somebody on the older side of things. Um, There's been talks about kind of talking about the pornography effects and specific effects that it's had on my own generation. And I still want to do that. So there's things that are still kind of in the mix, and there's people I want to bring on. And again, if you have some feedback of people I could talk to, by all means, I love leads. So I may kind of relegate it to more of a once a week thing just because work gets so busy for me, um, which is a good thing for the most part. But maybe I'll come up with a second one randomly through the week, get Chase back on the pod, talk sports and anybody else. But Thank you for being patient with me. I really appreciate it. Really, really appreciate all the support. Love you all. I hope you've had a great week. And I hope this today, this Thursday, was a pleasant surprise for everybody to see that I'm back. But it's not a comeback. I should have never left you all.
Hope you all enjoy this episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yeah. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, and they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. All right, today joining me on the podcast, it's been about a month hiatus for me. I've covered that in the intro and everything, but I could not be more excited about having this guest on, who I have not actually really, certainly not talked to -to face-to-face probably since college. Um, We probably ran into each other a couple times post-mission, but really we knew each other freshman year before we went on our missions. Uh, Jacob Perrazzo joining us who has some own podcasting interests of his own. And the reason why Jake is joining us is because he has an amazing story that I want him to share on the podcast and uh, whichever direction he's willing to go. I don't have a blueprint. I don't have an outline. Most times I don't. This is one of those times where I'm actually excited that we don't because I'm excited where it could go. Jake, uh, tell us about where you're at right now. Kind of, you were just telling me before we started recording that you were thinking of kind of doing your own podcast because you like the idea of sharing stories of your own, of others and, Let's 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 go there. Yeah, and first of all, thank you, thank you, Harper. It's been awesome uh, thinking about this opportunity, and yeah, it's been since 2005. I mean, 2005 is kind of when we last hung out in mm-hmm. uh, freshman year. We were in those communications classes together. And That's right. I, should know, we want... uh, should we expound on the the naked football, or should we just let <laughs> should we just leave it at that? You know what? I I have no issues with sharing naked football out there, but uh, that might just be a cliffhanger for another day. Right. Yeah. We'll leave that as a, as a teaser, but let's just say this, you're a naked football MVP. Oh, you you cannot deny that for sure. So uh, yeah, it's been a long time and you're right. Uh, You mentioned that I kind of have this idea of talking with others and listening to their story um, because as I share my story today, I want to make sure everyone recognizes that I know that everybody has an individual story and everyone's story matters. Um, I kind of go back a little bit that, you know, when we knew each other in college, we were both in communications and I wanted to originally be a sports broadcaster. Um, but when I went on my LDS mission, I recognized that I really liked working with teenagers. Um, because teenagers are still figuring out who they are and figuring out their story. And so a big part of my life today is actually that I am an educator and I'm currently teaching. Um, and I was a vice principal at one point as well. Um, oh, nice. What do you teach again? Is it, is it history? Yeah. So I teach U.S. history. Yeah. I, taught, I teach U.S. history. Um, I got my degree in social studies teaching, which covers, you can cover like economics, political science, everything. Um, but my first five years, I taught U.S. history and Utah history. 
at Oak Canyon Junior High in Linden, which is on the Linden-Orem border. Mm. Um, and then I had the great opportunity to move into administration. So I went and got my administrative degree, and I was a vice principal at Oak Canyon, the same school that I was a teacher at, uh, which was really that, cool. Yeah, that great seems like a great upgrade. Probably not very common. I don't really know, but it doesn't seem like that happens a lot. Well, it happens sometimes because the positive is that you already have relationships that you've built. Sure. Um, yeah. The negative could also be that they know you in the sense of your weaknesses and everything. Um, but that just makes it more real. It may, you know, it makes it more yeah. the reality that I had that opportunity to be at the school that I loved and taught at for the first five years of my career. So, yeah. That's, and and you're currently, where are you currently? So I'll get to I'll kind of share the story and why it changed. Um, so I became a vice principal and I had the wonderful, op- so I worked at Oak Canyon and then in November of 2018, the day after Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, I went into the emergency room and I just had all kinds of pains and I just couldn't breathe. And for the, like the six months previous to that, I actually um, already had gone into the doctor and I got diagnosed with asthma, which seemed normal. My dad has asthma and I just kind of seemed like asthma. But you, the, prior to that, did not have any asthmatic symptoms in your life? I mean, uh, athletically induced a little bit, but okay. but nothing like asthma attacks or anything. Mm-hmm. And so the day after Thanksgiving, I went into the hospital and they, mm-hmm. they went to the emergency room and they actually admitted me very quickly after they did some tests and they recognized something was not right. And my standing heartbeat was 150. Oh my goodness. Um, so I, my heart was going like crazy. And so long, tor- long story short, I actually, they said, we think it might be your gallbladder, but we think you have sepsis. And luckily What's it wasn't. Sepsis? sepsis is where you get infection in your body and it like, okay. and it's very deadly. Um, is so, that when people say they've gone septic or is that an entirely yes, different yeah. thing? Okay. I believe so. And, but luckily I didn't have sepsis, but they removed my gallbladder and they said, uh, we see all kinds of fluid in here. And so they actually took me, I was at American Fork Hospital and they took me by ambulance down to Utah Valley Hospital in Provo. And right when I got there and funny story, by the way, I was watching at this night, this was the night the BYU was playing Utah and BYU had gotten up by what? 28 points or 21 points um this was wait wait, this was 2018 oh yeah 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 yeah. that's right this was football football yeah yeah this was the day after thanksgiving uh yes or no i guess this uh, is two days because you had been uh, in the saturday yeah saturday yeah yeah yeah. and so i get rushed down to provo in an ambulance i'm trying to watch byu beat utah for the first (laughs) time in a long time and they rushed me into. You're watching, are you watching this literally in the ambulance? Do you have it like on your uh, phone? Or something? Um, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I have my phone. It was awesome. But then they rushed me in and they put me under and they actually drain uh, ounces and ounces of fluid from around my heart. So I had I had fluid that was in my lungs and around my heart. 
And um, I wake up, I wake up, and the first thing I ask is, how's the BYU game? And let's just, let's just say it did not go well. Um, that was one of the most, no joke, and I, and I don't even mean to make light of this because it, it sounds so juvenile now, but <laughs> in recent memory, for me, involving a stupid-ass sports game is one of the most depressing nights of my life in recent memory. I'm not even kidding. I remember I was at my brother's house. I watched the game at his house in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. And I remember going to bed that night just being like so miserable. And here you are going through life-altering experiences. And it just, well, like I said, what I went through sounds so freaking juvenile by comparison. Anyway, uh, well, I, I woke up and sadly, BYU not, did not win, but I that was November 2018. And I was in the hospital. They were doing tests. And they kept thinking and hoping that it was a very bad um, case of pneumonia. Um, but then on November 30th, uh, my life changed. Uh, November 30th, the doctor came in and Susan, my wife, my dear wife is sitting down next to me and they diagnosed me with stage four lung cancer. And in that phrase, when they said stage four, I knew that wasn't good, but they also used a phrase, non-curable lung cancer. And, and I'm like, and it might've been Susan. And, but she was like, when you say non-curable, like he's going to die from cancer. And the doctor's like, yes, it is not curable at this time. And so instantly, you know, instantly just bawling my wife and I, um, I remember at that moment punching the hospital bed and just saying, I just want to raise my boys. I just want to raise my kids. And at the moment, you know, in 2018, I, I had three kids. Um, and my wife was actually pregnant with our fourth boy. And nobody knew that at the time. It was very early on. Um, and so, like, that was one of the very first thoughts is I just want to raise my boys. Hearing that I have stage four lung cancer. Um, and I... We asked the doctor, like, through tears, well, what do you mean? Like, how long? And on that day, they told me I had 12 to 18 months to live. And so, I mean, what do you do? Like, I have three kids at home. My wife is, my wife is pregnant. Um, I have a loving family. And, yeah, it, it was a day that I will never forget. Um, but I can say that I also had some very spiritual moments on that day. I felt, I felt peace. I felt a loving heavenly father at that moment. Um, yeah. What was that like? Actually, what did that feeling when you felt like that peace come in? What were you thinking in that moment? Um, I, I'm glad that I had something to hold on to. You know, I'm glad that I had that foundation of a testimony in a heavenly father that loved me. Um, I mean, I don't want to go into, you know, too long of detail here, but on June 2nd of 2012, I actually lost a brother in an emergent, in a rock climbing accident. And so June 2nd, 2012, uh, my brother 
falls to falls to his death hiking Stuart Falls. And that was a moment that I will also never forget. I actually think I remember seeing that around. That was specifically through you. I think I'd seen things yeah. on Facebook. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. And so, you know, I was young. I was newly married, got married in 2011. But at that moment, you know, talk about a, you know, a trial of recognizing where where is my faith. And I had a couple very spiritual moments of at the viewing and also at the funeral where I knew that I would see my brother again. And so when you ask what I was feeling in the hospital there, I had very similar feelings of peace, of knowledge that I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I will see my wife and my boys again. That's amazing for one to, to have the spirit come in in that moment in your life specifically. And to have felt kind of that existentialism years prior as kind of some sort of primer to all that. Um, this is going to be a, somewhat of a tangent, but that's what I do. Honestly, that's just who I am. I'm curious what it was like when you saw your brother's viewing. And that specifically is because I had an experience. I wouldn't say it was anything grandiose by any means. It was just one of my grandparents um, funerals when I saw, you know, I, I've never been big on going to viewings and just like being there to appreciate the body for whatever reason. I know a lot of people, sometimes someone will touch it if it's a loved one. And I just never have, I just never felt compelled to. And it wasn't until I think the last one of my four grandparents had passed away where I finally kind of realized why it was either that or the third to last. And it was because it really felt like it was just a vessel. Now, granted, these vessels are precious cargo. Like they, they, it's amazing. Like that, I mean, we need to treat them as such. But it felt like I think it, okay, if I remember right, it was my grandpa. So it actually might have been the second of the of the four to die because he seemed so unrecognizable from a physical standpoint. But it was still my grandpa. And the reason why it had dawned on me at that point was that it, it felt like we actually have a different look to us when our spirits are in our body. And that's ultimately what I mean. And I'm curious what that was like for your brother. Like when you went up to see your brother when he was in the casket, did you think like, oh yeah, that's that's my brother. I, I recognize him perfectly. Or did there seem to be something different about that? I, I mean, I think you're spot on in the fact that, I mean, these, these bodies are, you know, sacred. You know, God has given them to us. But when the spirit leaves the body, it, it's different. Um, I had the very, and I understand, you know, this is going out to, anyone that could listen, but I had the very sacred opportunity to actually help dress my brother for his, for his funeral, putting him into I've, his I've clothes. heard that's a really spiritual experience. It is. And when you're holding a, a mortal body that's swollen up and has fluids or whatever, at that moment, you can tell like, you know, this is my brother, but it was the, it was the physical side missing that, that spirit. Um, so yeah, you're spot on. A kind of a funny uh, tangent though is my brother just uh, a week or so previous before he fell to his death, he actually dyed his hair black. I don't know why, just kind of <laughs> young, young kid. And my grandma, especially, who's actually still alive, my grandma did not recognize him at all because she's like, "That's not my, that's not my grandson," because uh, because his hair was different. 
And you, you guys all kind of have the classic like strawberry blonde reddish hair, right? Yeah. Yeah. We all kind of have the same. Yeah. 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 Um, just to give a little background, by the way, you grew up in, uh, I remember Fallon, Nevada. And whenever I actually hear anybody from, believe it or not, has kind of a high, uh, population of members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, so whenever I've heard anybody from there, I'm like, oh, wait, do you know the Perazzos? And they're like, oh, yeah, we know the Perazzos. <laughs> like, because yeah. you come from a big family, right? Yeah, we come from a pretty big family. And there's a lot of, I mean, you're right, there's a strong uh, membership there of the Church of Jesus Christ yeah. and Latter-day Saints. And um, a lot of a lot of friends of mine are now in the Utah Valley. And there's a lot of people in Utah that come from there. Uh, great, yeah. great place to grow up. Great, I grew up on a dairy farm. And, uh, that's right. That's right. Milking the cows. Yeah, it was awesome. Let's go back to your experience, though, because this is actually obviously why I wanted to bring you on. So you you're still terminal, right? Yes. So but at this rate, you don't really know how much longer you have. So this is obviously what, it's been over three years since your diagnosis and they give you a year to a year and a half at the time. So yeah, you've already doubled that. Absolutely. And this is actually the miracle that happened is we, I like to say that I won the lottery of lung cancer. Now, let me explain why. Lung That's quite can- the contrast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Lung cancer is, is deadly. It is, it is a very, very deadly thing. And sadly, it has a stigma of, you know, just a smoking cancer. Um, but there are... Yeah, I mean, you quit like seven years ago, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've heard that joke almost every time and it doesn't offend me. Oh, dang. But... I thought it was original. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reality is there's this stigma of smoking, but l- tons of people get lung cancer that have not never smoked a day in their life. And the reason why I won the l- lottery of lung cancer is when I was in the hospital, they were doing tests and it took three, about three weeks. And the test came back that actually said that I had what's called ALK positive lung cancer. And this, and I actually couldn't, I don't even know what ALK stands for. I've heard it many, many times, but the, the reason why it's a miracle is because it is one of the best lung cancers to get for the ability to treat it, to allow a better quality of life and to extend life. So the 12 to 18 months that I was given was on just general lung cancer. And if you don't do anything to treat it or yeah, whatever. If you don't do anything to treat it. But, but when I got that mutation, when I got that mutation, it was a life changer. So kind of, I know you're a big sports fan. Um, Jason Day, who used to be the number one golfer in the world yeah. from Australia, his, yes. his mom actually was diagnosed with lung cancer. It wasn't the same mutation, but a similar a type of mutation. And he's done a lot of campaigns on the importance of getting mutation testing. Because mm-hmm. if we didn't have that mutation testing, then I would not be alive today. Because they would you wouldn't not- even have known you could treat it at the time. Yes, correct. Yeah. So on to give you exact dates, I actually remember the dates. December 20th, 2018, so about three weeks after my diagnosis, I had my first and only round of chemotherapy, okay? Wow. On December 21st, I found out that we got a call from the doctor 
saying that I had ALK positive lung cancer. And what that meant is that I could switch to what is now, it's called an oral inhibitor. And it's just daily pills. I take daily pills. And so I started in early January on those daily pills. And their job, their job is to stop the cancer from spreading. Now it does help. It does help kill the cancer some, but its main job is to inhibit the cancer from spreading. And that's where if I didn't have that mutation testing, chemo probably would have helped for a little bit, but there would have never been that stopping of the spreading of cancer that comes with the pills that I'm on. Gotcha. Now, and I can, I mean, um, what's, so I started that in January, 2019, but you're right. I still am terminal. Um, because at some point, at some point, the cancer will beat the drug and start to progress or grow, um, away, uh, into throughout the body. Um, so that was the first miracle was, was knowing that. And so when I, when I first was diagnosed, I was an administrator, I was a vice principal and I, I went and I actually told my school, I stood in front of my school, I told them. And I actually remember at that point saying, we have an amazing job. We have the opportunity to teach these kids. And just remember all of them have a story too. So we need to make sure that we, you know, love and respect everyone's story. Um, but when I found out, when I found out that I, I went on this medication, it actually drastically changed my mindset of how I was going to live the rest of my life. Um, originally, 12 to 18 months. I mean, it's just, okay, what can I do? Make memories. Right. Uh, I mean, I actually had the great blessing just a few days after diagnosis. I actually sat courtside at a jazz game. Um, oh yeah, that's I've done that before. That's that's a whole new experience, man. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, sat four seats from Gell Miller. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, but uh, finding that mutation changed the outlook of what the rest of my life was going to you know look like. Um. Is it indefinite now? So it's still considered terminal, but here's kind of the reality of the situation. If you look at me, you can't, it doesn't really ask. Oh, I would never like that. I'm fighting. You don't have to look like you have cancer. Yeah. Um, I've never been told that I look so good in my life, by the way. Like I get cold. I get told (laughs) that all the time. And cancer looks good on you, man. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, so at that point though, I actually decided to go back to work because the data that we had at that time was actually about a median of five years and a median being that 50% with this mutation live longer than five years. And, but sadly, 50% still died sooner than five years. Yeah. So that that got extended. Well, just about a year or so ago, more data came out and it's actually now a median of about eight years. And so 
because of the miracle of science and the research yeah. that is being done, that that time uh, continues to get extended. Um, but it doesn't mean there's not trials. And it also sadly doesn't mean that 50% are still dying before that that eight years. But you're feeling pretty confident that your window is extended once again to about five years at this point would be. Yeah. It's but not... I guess maybe that's not the focus, I guess. Right. I mean, what does that really matter? You don't really want to to give yourself a shelf life probably really shouldn't make a difference on how you choose to live, I guess. Correct. Um, I've I've had many nights where I cried and I'm like, I hope that I can make it like I've already said, I hope I can make it to raise my kids. Um, to, you know, see them grow up. And they're currently, by the way, eight, six, four, and two. I was going to so, ask. Yeah. Um, my first goal, by the way, before the mutation, my first goal was to baptize my oldest. Yeah. And so June, and now, yeah, I've now baptized him. And now my goal is to probably see all four of them go on a mission. I mean, right? that would be, a, yeah, that would be a huge gift of life, but that's kind of the hope. Yeah. Now there has been some speed bumps along the road. Um, and because I was working and I was working, uh, full time as an administrator, which is an awesome job, by the way, I loved it, but it was also stressful. Um, but I would, you know, I would take days off when I wasn't feeling well, I had wonderful people that would work with me and, uh, Alpine school district, their HR was great to work with and everything. But my first roadblock was actually in, I still remember the date, November 11th, uh, 2020. So November 11th, 2020, um, I actually got, um, I had a small brain tumor, a tiny little brain tumor. And so this, this was the first time that the, it showed that the medicine wasn't doing a perfect job. Um, but one tiny little brain tumor is better than, you know, cancer aggressively spreading throughout your body. Sure. Yeah. And by the way, just a little detail, the reason why lung cancer is considered stage four and terminal is if it's spread outside of the lung. And so I was going to say like, yeah. cause lung transplants is a thing, but I kind of assumed you were beyond that. Yep. So once yeah. it's outside of the lung, which they found out it was in the hospital, that's when they recognize it's not curable. So November 2020, I had this small brain tumor, which was the first kick in the gut. Um, but then I stayed on the same medication because it's not, it wasn't, you know, it didn't stop working. It just had one small spot. Um, and so I got that radiated in what's called gamma knife. Sounds really intense, but it's, they, it they, they radiate radiate it in the brain and that disappeared after a, a little bit oh wow so that was awesome um and i'll get to the latest roadblock um here in a little bit but so that was kind of the first roadblock but i want to i want to actually talk about when you talk about story i, I want to talk about some choices that i've made i mean you talk about you you mentioned like how i live my life yeah um so I was working and I loved my job. Um, but one of the things that I did that I would highly recommend anyone doing is 
is I actually started seeing a psychologist soon after, soon after uh, diagnosis. Um, and you say I, anyone like no, any, anybody in any stage of life whatsoever to see a psychologist? I would recommend any, I think anyone needs therapy because we okay, all have. So you're talking about therapy in general. Yeah. Sorry. Not, not yeah. like, uh, so, yeah. Not specifically a psychologist because that is, there are, there are great, there's like varying degrees of therapy essentially. And you can see them in a psychologist. You can see an actual yeah. therapist. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Sorry. Or a social worker. You know, and also yeah. like psychiatrists versus psychologists. And sure. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so I started seeing a psychologist for, um, for therapy. And what I like about the guys, um, Dr. Giles, is he mostly just listened. You know, that was his main goal was to listen and let me think through my thoughts. And then he would ask, ask some thoughts. And he asked me, OK, what what do you want? What is your goal? And I and I said multiple times that I wanted to be the best father I could be. I wanted to be the best husband I can be as well as I wanted to be the best administrator that I could be. But as we talked over many, many sessions of therapy, I recognized myself that at some point, if I couldn't do all three of those, I was going to probably, I was going to have to um, lose the administrative side of it. Um, because, because, I can't give up the father or the husband, you know, that's right. You know, and so you might find this to be a little ironic of timing, but so I was doing a lot of research on the uh, insurance policies, the Alpine school district applied. And I, I mean, I talked to the insurance many, many times to talk to HR and I found out that a long-term disability plan, which I'm actually on, going a long-term disability, I was actually allowed to work part-time. Oh, wow. um, and no one really recognized this, that you could actually work part-time while on disability. Um, there's thresholds of, it really comes down to the thresholds of what your doctor says, but also of financial, how much you can make. And, and that's not necessarily for this podcast, but on June, uh, not, not, um, not June, March 9th, 2020 was my last day as an administrator for Alpine School District. Well, if you recognize that date, March 11th, 2020 is when Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz tested positive for COVID. And, And March 13th, our school was on online. And why I'm so grateful that I had already made that decision is I didn't want to have, I didn't want to get pushed down going on long-term disability on because of COVID. I and I made that decision upon my own, um, on my own purpose. Mm-hmm. And so, but I knew that I could work part-time. And so I actually originally got hired um, I got hired to teach back at the exact same school that I was a vice principal at in 2020, but I ended up taking the year off because of COVID. Wow. Yeah. So it, it was a, it was a roller coaster. I can imagine. And so what, like, and that, that turned into a pretty big blessing, right? I mean, that, that made your life a lot more convenient at least. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, well, unless you want to talk about homeschooling kids, like <laughs> it's fair. Yeah, uh, I guess there's give and take with everything. Yeah, it was it was hard. Yeah, but it was also lots of blessings. I will I will going back to how I made that decision though is this is one of the things that I, I and I've told this advice to to so many people and I will tell it to um, anyone. My psychologist said when I was making this decision to go on long-term disability or not, <clears throat> he said, many people, especially in the LDS culture, all care about choosing the right. He said, often though, there isn't always a right choice. So it's about making the choice right. And so I knew that if I was going to go on disability, I knew I'd be giving up a job that I loved. But I also knew that I had to take the steps to make that choice right in my life. And and so I I was planning on going back to work. Well, with COVID, that that wasn't I didn't feel safe. I didn't there wasn't the vaccine and you know that's for a different story. But I'm very grateful for what my wife did because she did something that helped make our choice right. <clears throat> and right after I I told my principal Diane, I said Diane, I'm not going to come back. She's like I totally understand. The next day my wife and I went out and bought a used RV. And we set out. And so during the pandemic, we took our used RV and over from 2020 through fall of 2021, we put 14,000 miles on a used RV nice. and visited 36 states and probably about 18 national parks. That's amazing. I love that, man. That's really cool. Um and I also like what your psychologist told you that it's like not necessarily about choosing right or wrong as much as it is really making your choice right. And obviously what he, he's not referring to like things that are evil versus good. Yeah, yeah. But we do kind of get caught up in the whole thing where it's like, well, is this what I'm supposed to do? And it's like, well, think about what you're actually asking here. Is God actually saying you can only do one of these things and I know which one. So good luck. No, he's saying, make a choice, make a choice and, and, you know, sanctify it, you know, in your own way. And I think there's plenty of examples of that in the scriptures. But the one that stands out to me the most is, and I've probably shared it before on the podcast, you know, none, none of my ideas are original anymore, but um, the brother of Jared in the book of Ether goes to the Lord and he says, how are we going to have lights, light in the barges? And immediately right after the brother or the Lord says to him, well, what would you have me do? Yeah. Now he spins it back on him. He says, well, you tell me. And it, it, that dawned on me in a really important time in my life where I was deciding whether or not I wanted to stay in Texas or come back to Utah to take the job on that I have now. And it was kind of like, you know what? I feel like God is telling me, make your own decision and go with it. And not only that, I also feel like a lot of times we're meant to make our own decision. And if, you know, we're living in a good place where the spirit can actually guide us, God will tell us no. Absolutely. Like he'll, he'll say like, no, this isn't right. He'll, he'll make that very, like that is the most clear he'll make it. Otherwise, it was just our decision and we have to live with it. And I don't even mean live with the consequences. I mean, you have to 
like you, like your psychologist told you, make it the right decision, which that entails a lot of different variables. But I think most of all, it's just like make the most of it, essentially. It doesn't matter, right? You're not going to let there, like the only thing that you'll regret about it is if you are somehow comparing the decision you've made to the decision you could have made and you have some pie in the sky outlook on that decision you could have made. I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of rambling now, but ultimately I just love what your psychologist said. And that's something that really resonates with me. I appreciate that. And by the way, I've just been rambling the whole podcast. So oh, it's, I, it's, I, you're, <laughs> you're fine, man. You've I got, have a tendency to ramble. Um, no, you are a hundred percent correct. God will tell us that we're wrong. If there is a clear, you know, a clear I actually reason. think he's more likely to tell us when we're wrong and less likely to tell us when we're right. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Right. And so I mean, we don't, we don't often get that confirmation of what we did being the right choice, but we will plenty get the confirmation of it being the wrong choice. Yeah. I, I could see that for sure. And so I have, I have told many people that I am very much at peace of going on long-term disability, which by the way, um, I clearly, you know, I'm clearly considered disabled when you have a terminal cancer. So that sure. was, that yeah. was one of the things when you look at me, Physically, some people might say, well, why can't you do a job? Um, and I, I, I don't worry too much about what other people, you know, judge or think of me. But in reality, as soon as you say you have a terminal cancer, they consider you to be disabled. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. That, do, you, so do you not work at all then anymore? Or are you still so, doing part time? So I, I turned down that job. I turned that down, that job of teaching. We went on the RV trips. And, oh, man, I could tell you, you know, amazing places. Texas, by the way, I loved we were went throughout Texas and went to Galveston. Which part did you love the most? Uh, Big Bend National Park down there on the. I've heard good things. Oh, yeah, it was gorgeous! Them. It was yeah. gorgeous. And then yeah. I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed Galveston, which I'd been to before. But mm. uh, spending you stop off in Lub Lubbock by any chance? I did not. I know no, that didn't make the the Perazzo <laughs> map. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, so. Going on the RV trips were awesome, and we still have the RV, and we have plans to continue our expedition across the United States. But once I got vaccinated, I actually, in January 2021, um, I went back and I started working as an advocate, which is just a support role inside of the school. And so I was back at the exact same school that I taught at, and I was a vice principal at. And I was basically back in like a tutoring role and oh, it was nice. fun though. And I loved it, especially because I was working with more kids that had a lot of trials, you know, um, st struggles. And I started off as an online advocate, a lot of kids that were on, on online because of the pandemic. And, but then once I was fully vaccinated, I went back to the classroom, but my, my intention was to always go back and work in either administration or teaching. And I reached out to HR. I even reached out to the superintendent who I know. And um, sadly, in my case, there's no such thing as a halftime administrator. Yeah. Um, and so, and I, I knew that. I knew that was probably the situation. And so I, I'm now working part-time at Willow Creek Middle School in Lehigh, Utah. And I teach U.S. history again. So back to a subject that I previously taught. And I love it. Um, I'm back in the classroom. 
I'm working with kids. I'm able to, you know, hopefully make a difference in their life. And the schedule is perfect because um, we have the A, B schedule. So it's a block schedule. And so some weeks I'm working Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and some weeks I'm working Tuesday, Thursday. And Mm. so I, I worked yesterday and then I work tomorrow. And today, to kind of just give you an idea of what I've done is I got to sleep in a little bit. And then I went and volunteered in my third graders class and I did some reading. And then I went and I brought my four-year-old to what's called talking time. He he has a little bit of a speech impediment. So uh, like a preschool for talking. I took him to the park. And then I... Today? Today. It's freezing, man. Hey, (laughs) it was all right. And uh, far be it from me to judge on it, like... Coming from a non-parent, I probably know what's exactly best for you and your kid, just FYI. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I'm more proud of you and impressed than anything, quite frankly. I appreciate that. And so that was kind of my day. And then, you know, you, you reached out about the podcast and I was like, well, kids get home from school around 2.45, 2.30. And so, I, you know, I help my wife around the house and make sure my lessons are good for tomorrow. And then when the kids get home, I get to be a dad. Man, so, that's great. Um, I want to ask you a couple more things kind of before we close out here, but one of which is going to going back to the cancer. Do you felt like, like, I mean, lung cancer is a unique one, especially from somebody who's a non-smoker, which I know you said that's kind of like somewhat of a stigma, I guess, that they just assume it's connected. And I don't know what the percentages are of those that get diagnosed with lung cancer and how many of them are smokers and how much of that contributed or whatever. But at what point do you think, like, why do you think you got affected by lung cancer? Because they're generally... I feel like there is an explanation there with like, you know, you get guys working in the coal mine their whole life or stuff like that, which are like extreme examples, but it's also very, very understandable ones. Like, what is it about you that you felt like maybe you were particularly vulnerable? So there's, there's two, there's two explanations that the doctors like to say right now. And this is for everyone with my mutation and similar mutations. And that is either I was exposed to radiation at some point. And so you mentioned like coal mining. So there was something down. And when I say radiation, not necessarily, you know, radiation like I got from my brain, but I could have got it from radon. Radon is um, a gas that is actually very common here in Utah. But I don't think it was radon because I actually had a radon emitter in my house. And so uh, that was kind of ironic. So I could have been Wait, exposed. When you say radon emitter, though, that's not something that emits radon. It's something that identifies Emitter is the wrong word. Uh, what's the right word? Uh, uh, whatever gets rid of it. Detector? detector. Radon detector? It gotcha. sucks it out. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. The reason why I didn't go into broadcasting, by the way, is because I can't even speak my own language. Um, <laughs> other than that, though. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's the one situation or the second one. And I'm going to use a phrase. I don't want to confuse anyone is that I was just genetically born with it. Now, when I say genetic, it's not passed on from down, you know, from one family to another, it's not going to be passed to my kids at all, but I was just born with the mutation similar to others that are born with other types of mutations in their body. Gotcha. Okay. But- they're, they're doing research to try to figure out more, is it born or is it kind of a reaction? 
Gotcha. Okay. Um, all right. So let's talk about your podcast for a second that you haven't started yet, but like, honestly, man, get on that. Like, I don't know, like, and, and this is going to be the hardest I'm going to talk to you, but like, don't like what's holding you back. Like just freaking get after it. Like, I what would you, you, you want to be a storyteller? You want others to come on to tell stories as well. I'm guessing. I mean, I, I think you have a great, already a great foundation because your story is already wildly interesting. It's not very common. You have a great outlook. It's one that's very inspiring to those that can relate to you and those that cannot. So get after it, man. Thank you. And one thing that I want to make sure when I do the podcast is I, I want to be the interviewer and, and, you know, yeah, I'll chime in kind of like you have, but I want to listen. Um, mm -hmm. It's actually kind of inspired by the show on BYU TV called Story Trek. Um, I don't know if you've yeah, heard, heard good things about that. I haven't really seen that, but but he just knocks on random people's doors around the United States That's right. and asks them, what's your story? Yeah. And I do want to share one more thing about cancer, which please, which is why you reached out is so last Wednesday. Um, so six days ago is the most recent bump in the road. So since the brain tumor in 2020, I had not had any progression, meaning cancer had not spread since that brain tumor, but I get routines checks. So the rest of my life, I will have brain MRIs as well as CAT scans every three months. And on Wednesday of last week, I went in for scans and I had no anxiety because I had no symptoms, but my wife and I sat down when we got the results back. And we saw that there's actually four more small brain tumors. Mm. Now, when we say small, we're talking one, two of them are one millimeter big and two of them are three millimeter bits. So they're not symptomatic. I don't have any symptoms from them. But if if I didn't treat them, they would, you know, they would impact me much Keep more. Grow and everything. Yeah. yeah. So you're treating them now. And is it that same, um, what was that called? That like gamma knife radiation? Gamma knife. That was it. Yeah. So I'm going to, I actually have an appointment tomorrow with my specialist. The reason why I say specialist is my general oncologist. I love him. He's a great guy, but he has never treated someone with my cancer before. Mm. And so I, I have a specialist in Denver, Colorado that I've seen a few times, but tomorrow's appointment luckily is actually going to be telemed. So I don't have to go to Denver, but I'm going to do it via the computer. And most likely he's going to recommend radiation again, because what's happening is the rest of my body is still good. Yeah. It's not progressing, but there's something in our brain called the brain barrier that actually protects our brain from like toxins. So if you get a toxin in your body, but in this case, it's actually hurting me because it's the brain barrier is kind of hurting the medicine from getting up into my brain as well. And so, so wait, is it the medicine that's kind of breaking down that brain barrier? Is that what it is? Uh, the medicine's not breaking down the brain barrier. The brain barrier is stopping the medicine from getting into the brain, which means that the cancer is allowed to grow in the brain. Wow. Wow. And, that's yeah. fascinating. So, Dang. so it is, it was I mean, a, it goes to show how amazing our bodies are, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a kick in the, you know, kick in the pants, whatever, kick in the gut. And, it, you know, Wednesday and Thursday were some tough days. I actually went to work on Thursday 
And if you want to talk about vulnerability, I stood in front of my first period class going to start to teach and I broke down bawling. Wow. And I didn't, wasn't planning on, you don't plan on standing in front of eighth graders. <laughs> it wasn't part of the lesson plan. No, no. not at all. Have a uh, good five minute cry in front of the kids. <laughs> but I was so impressed. I was actually so impressed with one of the eighth graders. I just said, do you have any questions? And this first kid named Lincoln, he raised his hand. And he said, Mr. Perazzo, how are you doing mentally? And, wow. and that, and so that was just something I was inspired by. So, so that's my cancer story. It, I, I'm living with it, but I'm happy. You are happy. I can tell you are genuinely happy, Jake. It's really I good to see that, that, by the way. And I, I always had that sense just seeing you on Facebook randomly. I, you, you have your, your attitude about this whole thing has been inspiring. I'm not kidding when I say that, like seeing you deal with this in, in such a triumphant fashion is just kind of, I, I, I can only wish that's, that's the way I would deal with it as well. Should that be the case, you know, but uh, thank you. I mean, it's, it hasn't been easy and I will say this as well. When I'm battling cancer, but me and my wife are battling cancer. I'm sure. And me and my, you know, my kids, they're still young. They don't know what the word terminal means, but mm -hmm. they pray for their dad every night. Um, and all I can say is I've been blessed to, like you say, going back to that initial diagnosis, I didn't think that I would be here right now. Um, now, when that mutation occurred, I feel blessed that I'm here right now. And yeah, yeah this, this is a bump, but I'm going to treat it the best I can. And whether I have two more years or 12 more Eight. years or whether yeah. a cure is found, my goal is that I continue to live with the same faith and same knowledge that this is not just the only place I live, that life is eternal. Absolutely, man. And thank you for sharing. Um, I've got a, a name idea for your podcast. You don't have to use it, but you should because it sound, I feel like it's amazing. Terminally Living. Terminal Living. Ooh. Terminally Living or Terminal Living, whichever. Okay. I don't know. Workshop it. Let it sit. The the current the current uh, name I actually have is listening to learn. Hmm. Okay. But I mean, it's a little wordy, but that's kind of my desire is to listen. Yeah, there's to some alliteration there. I don't know. I just feel like there could be something more specific to your situation that could draw people in. Yeah. I mean, listening to learn is is nice but it could just be very generic and not necessarily have a draw. I don't know. That's just my yeah, opinion. Yeah. I'm no expert. It's not like I kill it doing the podcast. It's been like more successful than I uh, would have thought, quite frankly. And it's been fun. Yeah. Um, along those lines though, that reminds me, cause this is a lot of what you've been talking about and what you'd want to do on your own podcast. Do you know the quote from Mr. Rogers apparently, or I don't know if it was his own quote, but it was something that he kept in his wallet all the time. Uh, I don't think I do. You know, you know, it was uh, it's something along the lines of there's not anybody in the world that you couldn't learn to love if you when you hear their story. It's and so true. Yeah. And maybe look into that because yeah. you could start to kind of like use that as some sort of guide with what you want to do in your own podcast, because I always loved that, too. I may have even shared that on the pod at some random episode at some point. But 
Um, I really loved that. Mr. Rogers is an ex- excellent example of that, right? Because he yep. always listened. Yep. He was he was always about that. Um, as we close out, the last thing I want to ask you, because I would be remiss not to at least throw this your way. My podcast did start out a little over a year ago as being a jaded BYU sports fan. <laughs> so now I have, and I always pepper that in since I kind of rebranded, I kind of rebranded kind of like going into summer last year because there just wasn't a lot of talk about with BYU. And I ended up liking talking more about random topics anyway. Yeah. And I, that's where I got the best feedback. Um, but I touch on it, obviously. Give me, give me your summation of BYU sports currently. I know that's very vague, but I know you have opinions on things and Absolutely. I know you're a big fan. So let's, let's hear it. First of all, I'm a, I'm a huge BYU fan that has always said that we're never going to win a national championship again in football. And so I was always under the mindset of let's enjoy what we have. I really enjoyed independence because we got to face big names. And I never thought that we were going to be accepted into a, into a conference like the PAC 12 or big 12. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's happened and that's awesome. And so I, I look forward to the, being able to see BYU play in the Big 12. And I know it's a stretch, but I'm going to actually change my opinion that, yes, we technically do now have a chance again to win a national championship because of getting into the Big 12. And so with saying that, um, and I'll go with basketball. I mean, mean, talk about going into what I believe is actually the best basketball conference. I mean, you have... You have Duke and North Carolina in the ACC, but it's very top heavy. It it is very top heavy when you have the depth of Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor coming in with Cincinnati and Houston, and yeah, all four additions are also pretty solid. Basketball. At least, yeah, yeah. Some some are even really good. Cincinnati and UCF has made their impact as well in in the basketball court. But anyway. Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to have that. I will close with this, and I know this is bigger than BYU sports, though. My psychologist also said, and he, by the way, is a diehard BYU fan. Uh-huh. He always said, have things to look forward to. And so I went home that day, and I told my wife, I'm going to watch a lot of Utah Jazz games. I'm going to watch a lot of BYU sports, and I'm going to eat food when I want to eat food. Because I have things that I want to look forward to. And ultimately, you know, this, I love BYU sports, um, but there is a bigger purpose in life, but they do bring me joy. And, and I'm glad that I have the opportunity to enjoy them. So that's great, man. Seriously. Thank you. Last question. What's your favorite U.S. history book? I wish I could say that I read as much as I should. I am more addicted to reading articles on the internet. And Mm -hmm. so I sadly cannot give you one. I do like 1776 though. Yeah. You've read that one. I actually haven't read that one. I started it at one point. I I wanted to look into George Washington stuff, but yeah. So, um, okay. What about, okay. Give me an article then. That's like really cool or something that you can. Well, I don't necessarily have names of articles, but I really enjoy reading articles dealing with finance, dealing with business. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy, um, I have some investments in different things. I also really enjoy 
reading articles that are about people's stories. I mean, what's that blog or picture blog, the the people of New York or whatever? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I enjoy reading those. Um, I have, I've needed to, you know, spend less time on the internet and more time. I mean, now that my kids are growing, I've definitely needed to, you know, dedicate more time to, to my kids, but uh, oh. that's where I normally go for my stuff is Yahoo Finance or just Google News under certain criteria. So, gotcha. Well, Jake, thanks again for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. We're all rooting for you, obviously, but you know, you're at a point where it's like you don't even need us. <laughs> like, yeah. I know that may sound weird. Like, I'm sure you'll take all the support you can get, but at the end of the day, man, you've got a great system around you, you've got a great mindset. And I wish you the best, obviously. And if you have any questions or whatever, anything I can help with when it comes to getting your own podcast off the ground, by all means. If you need to come on and try and attract a few of my followers while you're getting things going, by all means, you won't see a huge impact, but maybe it'll be something, you know, well, you never know. That would be cool. I will tell you the purpose of the podcast, though. The purpose is for my own enjoyment and my own learning. Same. Uh, that was mine too. Yeah. Like that's ultimately, I mean, yeah, I want someone to listen, but even if it's just yeah. my parents, I'll be happy. Yeah. Right. That's, that's how I am. All right, Jake, have a good one, man. Thank you again. Best of luck. Best wishes. We'll keep praying for you and, and cheering and supporting you. Thank you. Aubrey. I appreciate it. All right, man. Much love. I remember falling so madly. There must've been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night. I could almost see it Did you fade right out of you? If it takes time, I, I If it takes time, I